today's our guest is TJ Zoic. I don't care what level, if you throw a no-hitter, you know you got pretty good stuff. When I went outside to call my wife, I actually called her twice and she didn't answer. <laughs> uh, and then I tried to call my dad. He didn't answer either. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JPR and Sevia. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne, and today our guest in the vein of young pitchers. We had Anthony Kay on last week, and we've got TJ Zoic this time, his boy from Buffalo, the guy who put up a no-hitter down there and has had a lot of success coming up and being that sinker baller up in the big leagues who we're seeing less of and less of in today's modern baseball, but he's had some success and he's coming off a really good outing against the Yankees. Yeah. He's a little tall drink of water. Um, you know, it says he's listed at six, seven. You got to see him more than I have. So, I mean, it's got, he's, he's pretty impressive and he got drafted out of high school and then kind of went to the same Anthony K route, right? Got drafted out of high school, go to college. And then all of a sudden he became a first round pick uh, and he put together some pretty good stuff. And he's just another one of the guys who's getting a chance to see, is he for real? Is he a guy that they can lean on? I mean, he was a, t- a first-round pick. It's just like Anthony Kay, like these guys are picked in the first round because they're supposed to be potential like impact players. That's why you're picked in the first round in the big league. So can they grow to be that? Uh, you know, that's that's one thing. But it's nice to see him having the opportunity – you know, no hitter. I don't care what level. If you throw a no hitter, you know that uh, you're pretty. You got pretty good stuff. The thing about TJ Zoic is he's kind of. Fl- it's weird because he's been a first round pick, obviously, and so his name's been out there. But at the same time, he's flown under the radar a little bit during his minor league career. I remember during Winterfest, they bring up a bunch of prospects to Toronto and give you know media chance to interview them, and you know everyone kind of gets introduced and they sign autographs with fans, all this stuff happens in january february i forget anyway they they open up the blue jays clubhouse and they have all the guys there and of course you know the media flocks and i'm not saying that i'm any different like, to the you know the boba shets of the world and like you know vladdy's and all these guys and i remember seeing tj zoic that day and he was just sitting and just like no one was coming to talk to him I'm like do i have something to say to tj zoic and at the time i didn't and maybe it maybe i should have i should have uh, had he seems like a cool guy i should have had a conversation with him but I remember thinking, isn't it weird that this guy who's a first-round pick is so under the radar at this point? And he's had a couple of injuries, and you know some of his numbers in the minor leagues haven't been that explosive because he's not that strikeout guy that people like to see in the minor leagues. But it is funny that contrast where he has that pedigree, but at the same time he has a little bit of the underdog thing and a little bit of the under-the-radar vibe to him right now. I think that it's probably good in this day and age sometimes to go under the the radar i mean depends on on the personality of the player uh, you know of the person but i think it's good to kind of go under the radar especially you know you can kind of get away with things that possibly another player wouldn't uh because of the scrutiny and the and the microscope so it, it sometimes it is nice you know when you're a first round pick you do have those expectations for myself you knew that you had to you know, prove yourself and, and, and show your worth. And so sometimes you maybe put a little bit too much pressure on yourself to perform. And so that's nice that when you get to the big league level, you're kind of a small fish in a big pond. And, and you know, again, I think everybody in this in this clubhouse should be excited about the opportunity because when a team's rebuilding, a lot of guys get chances and are going to be thro- you know, thrown into situations to kind of just see if – 
they can do it or not. And so you, it's a fun time to take advantage of it, of why not? Because you're getting a chance that possibly, you know, does, does he get a chance if he's on the Yankees stat, you know, pitching in AAA? Or does he get a chance in other teams? Who, I don't know, but, you know, you have to be able to take advantage of this time now because you're on a team that's rebuilding and checking to see, all right, is this a future of our franchise? Is this a future? Is this a possibility? So, um, but, you know, you watch him pitch. He's got really good stuff. I mean, I don't care in this day and age of a of a high spin rate. There's still guys that throw sinkers. You look at Soroka. Soroka's a sinker guy, and he's, you know, arguably a Cy Young candidate. So I, I, that sinker-slider combination is still is still pretty special, especially when, you know, he's got that velocity, and he's throwing it from 6'7". So before we get to TJ, I want to talk a little bit about sort of the final – we're in the final week of the MLB season. It's been a long – uh, especially for those of us who are focused on the Blue Jays. It's been a bit of a grueling road with some highlights as well. We're finally at the end. But it always seems like even though we've got a 162-game season, it it tends to have races where it just comes down to it. It comes down to the very end, and these things still matter. We see that in the wild card races right now in the American League, absolutely crazy between the Indians, the A's, and the Rays. You know, the divisions aren't quite as much in play, but we're still there's still some big storylines and I wanted to power rank the final week storylines that you still are tuning into baseball to watch. And so I'm going to present you with four of the big ones, and then you can let me know which ones you're most interested in. Okay. Number one, uh, you know, not, not number one, for just just putting it first, you can put where you want, is the whole Bryce Harper versus the Nationals thing. So the Nationals are fighting for a wild card spot. Four of their last seven games are against the Phillies. So Bryce Harper kind of has the ability to play this spoiler villain where he takes out his old team. Last night, he gunned out a guy at the plate. Um, He's been a bit stronger in the second half. So I think in baseball, we don't have that many kind of personal individual stories, and Bryce Harper could be that. Again, we can talk about that one. The weakness being he could also just go like one for four a bunch of times and it fizzle into nothing. Anyway... Bryce Harper versus the Nats. Number two, the Milwaukee Brewers going 11-2 and two since Christian Yelich went down and potentially making a run to the wildcard game and returning to the playoffs. And then these are uh, kind of bigger, bigger picture ones for the playoffs. Yankees or Astros for home field in the American League. That is still in play. And uh, Twins, Braves, and A's looking for 100 wins to add to the Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers. How intrigued are you by an 100-win storyline? So there's those are four that those four kind of pop for me. Other than just like who's going to make the wild card, uh, how do you rank those? Well, number one for me would be home field advantage because I think that's going to play a huge part in the you know just the spectrum of it. You know, uh, between the the Yankees or the Astros, I, I think these these are. These are two teams that I think have a real, real good chance of winning the World Series once they, you know, but they're going to have to get by one or the other. And I think that the home field advantage plays a big part of that, you know. Uh, so I think that's, that's to me, the storyline, number one. Uh, number two, I think the storyline with Yelich being out is so big, not because of Yelich, really. I wouldn't say that he's the reason why I think it's number two. I think it's because... If you think about it in the history of baseball playoffs, a lot of it comes down to who was the hottest team going into the playoffs, right? They ride that momentum. Some teams 
if something like that happens with Yelich or one of their star players, they fold. Some teams, as we're seeing, just kick it in the overdrive, and then all of a sudden the unsung heroes, Eric Dame, goes deep twice the other day. Like Then you're starting to see these guys kind of pop their heads and a team rally around a little bit of adversity. So I like the reason why I like that is because I think that these guys going into the to the playoffs, you know, my sleeper was the Braves uh, in the sense of they're not a sleeper, but I think that that would be a team that I think that can that can beat the Dodgers. I think that my new sleeper to me in the sense of Milwaukee Brewers is playing real, real good. And if you take that kind of momentum into the World Series or into the playoffs, it kind of reminds me of when the Cardinals won the World Series and they were like out a bunch in September and had that crazy run in September and make it to the playoffs and all of a sudden they won the World Series. So that's that. That would be number two. The 100-win season, you know, I, I think that's number three for me uh, because when it when it comes down to it, I think it's pretty special to win 100 games. I think it's crazy if you're in the West, the NL West. You're Oakland's 94 wins, and they're just kind of not even close. They're eight games back of, you know, if anyone were to say, that's how, like, the AL East, I feel like, used to be even more of. Um, oh, yeah, you'd see Yankees and Red Sox both at 100 all the time. Yeah, and so I think, but it's it's crazy to see the NL West. So I think, I think that's just cool to, to talk about. I don't think it's necessarily the, like, biggest thing for me so that's why I put it number three and then number four the Bryce Harper thing honestly I could care less because one I really just don't care about it and two the wild card is I don't feel like it's it's played out to the to the expect the like like suspense that I was expecting like I was expecting like man Chicago Cubs step up Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee, Washington, if they're all in a tie, what happens, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was the – and then the, the Cubs just kind of laid an egg against the, the Cardinals. So, I think, uh, to me, I don't even see it as an issue. I don't I don't see the, you know, the Phillies-Bryce Harper matchup versus the Nationals of him being spoiler anymore because I don't feel like they're – I feel like they're too out of it in that sense. Okay, I I I'm I think I'm more or less with you. I would put Harper higher because the thing is, because you like drama. So, it yeah, sure, I, yeah. I think that sometimes like I I love the nuts and bolts of baseball like as much as anyone, arguably more. But I do think that sometimes baseball is missing that kind of personalized drama because it's a sport where it's hard for one person to dominate. It's not you know. Taking it to a Raptors example, it's not like, oh, Giannis versus Kawhi. Like, even though each individual at bat is that in a sense, and you do have some of those magical moments, having a player against a team, like the idea of Harper going off for like five home runs in four games and just sinking the Nationals. Yeah, but, like, yeah, but, he, can't, awesome. but he can't sink the Nationals, though. Where is it? What, look, at the, look at the division. You can't, I mean, look at the standings. He, how is he going to sink the Nationals? Explain to me how if he... If they lose out. I mean, uh, lose out. Okay, I mean, if they lose, tough. now Chicago still has to win. Like, I just, that's the reason why yeah, I'm Chicago not Chicago and Milwaukee will slide in there. They're only half a game. Well, yeah, Chicago's four. Yeah, that's it's what I'm tough. saying. You know, it's tough, but it, it would be fun. So I would put I'd probably put that three though realistically, uh, the hundred wins doesn't mean much to me. I'd put that at four, because, you know, for some franchises like say the Twins, 
and the A's, 100 wins is kind of a more rare accomplishment, at least in recent years. So maybe they would appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of eh, 100 wins doesn't mean much to me. It's, it means much to like the manager and the players in that room. I get that. Home field advantage, you make it good. I think, you know, it goes through Yankees or Astros. We kind of, you know, anything can happen, quote unquote, but we kind of know that those are probably going to be the two teams that are sitting there at the end. Yeah. And I do think the Yankees used to have a bit of a more intimidating home field advantage because it seemed like they used to build their team more specific to that ballpark. Like it used to be more left-handed sluggers and left-handed pitchers to prevent lefties on the other side from using that right field porch. Now a lot of their best hitters are right-handed. You know, they've got Paxton as the big lefty. Yeah, but playing at, uh, playing at home is not just about dimensions of a field. It's about sleeping in your bed, having the fans support. Like, that's the home field advantage. It's not necessarily like all oh, the matchup versus – I mean, because if you're if that's the case, then if Houston, they have all these righties, Houston is a freaking short dump in left field of a, of a home run. So, I, I mean, I just think it's – you have to take into consideration – home splits and how teams play better at home and it's nicer to play in front of a crowd and your support and oh absolutely I just feel like there was a time when the Yankees had they had all that that you're describing and then they also had this team that was perfectly tailored to their park and that was scary too and I think they only have one of those things now still whichever team gets home field advantage that's gonna be a big deal that's why I have at number two Number one, I just think the Brewers are so likable. I think they're just like a really fun team to watch. They come from kind of a small market, but they're not like crazy cheap. And like they actually do make aggressive moves. And they've got the fun mascot sliding down that slide in Miller Park. They've got a good ballpark. You know, the Brewers and beer imagery is great for baseball. Uh, They've got a pretty good history as well. Obviously, Christian Yelich is an amazing, entertaining player. And the fact they're able to do it without him is pretty great. Eric Thames is a nice Blue Jays link yeah, for he's, Blue Jays yeah, fans nice. at home. He's nice. I've, I have a video about this coming up about like who to cheer for in the playoffs if due to Blue Jays links. Check out this Blue Jays link on the on the Brewers. The Brewers bullpen catcher. Yeah, Robinson. Robinson Diaz. Yeah. The guy they traded for Jose Bautista. What what a Blue Jays I link. Know. So so the Brewers, I think that that's, that's a lot of fun, what they're doing. You know, even if they only make it to a wild card game and then ultimately fall to the Nationals or the Phillies after Harper oh, wins them out. You know what I? Uh, you, you know what I? Honestly, you know one thing I always want to do in my entire career, and I've never been able to do it. Maybe one day I could do it. Is slide down that slide. I think that that's the coolest like slide. Home. I I think that's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, home run celebration in the league. Yeah. Well, like name a more iconic slide worldwide like it's this is the slide it's the best slide there is uh yeah i don't know iconically maybe from the mover the movie major leagues when uh wesley snipes slides in front and said up for the american express i think it was and it says can't steal home without it or something like that or don't steal home without it that, that's it that's the other iconic one i remember yeah and there you know some i don't know maybe some amusement parks but whatever this this is a heck of a slide and uh, th- that alone is enough to make these guys worth cheering for beyond the whole underdog story. But we could talk about the Brewers all day. Like, we really could. I love the Brewers. Sneaky. But uh, we're going to have our guest on. I know you guys have been waiting for TJ Zoic, and here he is. All right, well, a few things. One, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you out of the gate because we have something in common, 
You were the 21st first pick overall. I was the 21st pick overall of the Blue Jays. The difference is you signed for a million dollars pretty much more than I did. So I'm a little, I'm a little soggy. I'm a little soggy about that. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then did you get to watch because I'm a huge college football did you get to watch Pitt beat finally the the UCF that everybody thinks that is a special team uh no I actually didn't get to watch that but because uh, we were still in New York um I can't remember what I was doing at the time I think we might have been traveling on the bus from the airport uh or at, uh that we were playing at the first half of the game, and I think we were on the bus to the airport in the second half. So I did get to see that they won, but unfortunately I didn't get to watch it happen. All right. And we always ask everybody when they come on the show, getting called up to the big leagues, how did it all happen? How did how were you told? Who would you call first? How did it all go down? Uh, so we were in Scranton for our last game of the right of the season with Buffalo and before we headed out to stretch our uh, manager Bobby Meacham called me into the office uh, he told me that I was going up that I would join the team in Atlanta after the game uh, that afternoon in Scranton uh, so when obviously I was you know shake everybody's hand shook our pitching coach Doug Matt's hand you know thank them for everything they had done for me that year uh, and then when I went outside to call my wife I actually called her twice and she didn't answer. <laughs> uh, and then I tried to call my dad and he didn't answer either. <laughs> uh, but then I, so I got a hold of my mom who then found him uh, somewhere in the house. Uh, so then I talked to them. Obviously they were obviously uh, over the moon, excited for me. And then uh, as soon as I got off the phone with them, my wife called me back and I told her, uh, but they both, kind of had an idea since I was calling them at such a, a weird hour on the last day of the season since we both have, were you know kind of wandering for the last few days uh, if I was going to get the call or not. Well, it's good that you didn't get ghosted by like basically everyone who loves you. It's nice that uh, you were able to get through yeah. there at the very end. <laughs> uh, yeah, finally able to get somebody to talk to. TJ, you kind of, you've gotten your feet wet now. You've had four outings in the major leagues. Obviously, as you're coming up through the minor leagues, as a kid, you have these expectations of what big leagues are going to be like in terms of on the field and what the life is going to be like. How has the experience so far jived with your expectations of it? Oh, it's been incredible. Um, you know, I was surprised at how quickly it kind of just felt like uh, another baseball game. Uh, I, I'm talking more so when I'm on the bench in between starts watching the games. Um Obviously, when you see guys like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton up there, uh, it's obviously a huge difference between uh, here and the minor leagues. But, you know, just kind of watching games, I uh, just you know, feel right at home uh, just watching baseball games with my teammates, watching my teammates go out and have success. Um, and when I'm on the mound, I try to just act like I'm back in the minor leagues kinda, to kind of relax myself and keep myself in a good mindset. Uh, just trying to get the next guy out and make good pitches. You're coming into a situation where you know a lot of the guys on this team because you've played with them in AAA and stuff, and I know if you kind of peruse the TJ Zoic Twitter and whatnot, you see some Anthony K shout-outs, often with some Patriots imagery, and we'll get to the Patriots later because I think that's a big <laughs> part of the TJ Zoic uh, online persona. Anthony K, you know, Jordan Romano yeah. makes appearances on there. How is that 
helped you being around guys you know already and what are the bonds you're starting to form with the guys that you didn't know coming in i think knowing a lot of the guys already really helps uh really helped me to settle in a lot faster than i probably would have had it been let's say a team of veterans who i had never really played with or had never really known before um just from a comfort standpoint um but you know even the veterans up here have done a great job of making every all the new guys uh feel right you know right at home right as part of the team uh very welcoming uh you know they're very they're happy to answer any questions you might have about you know really anything about on the field off the field um so it's been great just kind of being around guys uh, who have been around the league a long time as well as to be with some of the guys who I you know came up with playing Talk about a crazy 2019. You're in spring training. You strain a lat. You don't pitch for a while. Like, and then all of a sudden, you get a, you make a few starts. Everybody knew you were going to be going to AAA. I imagine because of the season before what you were able to do. But you know, you start that spring training time, trying to make an influence. You get hurt, and the, the the mental side of the game is a crazy thing. So talk about your 2019 as far as. Going into spring training, how it went, and then getting the AAA, and then finally, you know, making your dream a reality. Yeah, getting into spring training this year, I was fortunate enough to uh, get my first big league camp invite. Uh, so obviously, I was very excited for that. Uh, excited for an opportunity to just go out and kind of compete with some guys who have pitched at the highest level. Um, unfortunately, this year I didn't get a chance to do that uh, with the last train, as you mentioned. Uh, so that was a um, that's a big downer for me, uh, just not being able to, you know, get the chance to compete with guys like that um, and face, you know, some of the big league hitters in spring training. Uh, and, you know, just going through the rehab process, I just try to stay focused on, you know, what can I do every day to ensure that I have a, a good chance to, you know, maybe pitch in the big league later in the year, at the end of the year. Um, I just got to try to stay in that mindset the whole year. Um, you know, not trying to worry about too far off into the, into the future uh, while I'm, you know, still in rehab, not worrying about uh, my rehab starts. If Well, if I don't throw well in this rehab start, then I'm not going to pitch in the big leagues, you know. Just trying to get back to where I was the previous year, get back to being healthy, uh, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. As a catcher, I, one thing I'm very well aware of is you know, when you throw your first pitch in the big leagues, they usually throw the ball out to commemorate it. Uh, your first strikeout, though, was against the pitcher. <laughs> and so yeah. I don't know. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about that is, like, did you strike out Fultonevich and, and you're like, all right, I want that ball? Or did you, like, strike out another your first position player and go, actually, this is what I consider my first strikeout? I think they gave me the ball from the, my first position player strikeout. <laughs> okay. Because when I got Fultonevich, I don't think I saw uh, a catcher toss the ball into the dugout because uh, the inning was still going on. But my first, uh, I guess you'd call it my first real strikeout, uh, was uh, at the end of the inning. And uh, our clubhouse manager, Moose, was looking for the ball. So I think that's the one that they, they authenticated and gave to me. Watching you pitch, you know, it's pretty clear you've got the big sinker and you're looking to work the bottom of the zone, which is kind of interesting because we're seeing fewer and fewer pitchers who have that pattern. And then I saw a piece on you a couple of weeks ago about how you'd been encouraged to throw the top of the zone or above with some four seamers. 
how what are you working on is that something you're working on in in terms of expanding your repertoire do you see yourself as someone who's going to continue to be that traditional singer pitcher going forward i'd say i'm going to continue to mostly be that traditional singer pitcher i think adding a forcing fastball at the top of the zone will improve my ability to get guys out of the bottom of the zone because i mean i've noticed that you know, throughout the league, obviously the best pitchers in the game are able to throw that high fastball on both sides of the plate uh, pretty consistently, and that leads, you know, obviously to a lot of strikeouts for them, whether it be on that pitch or on a breaking ball after that or, let's say, another fastball down in the zone. Uh, I think being able to hit all four corners with a fastball really expands uh, where the hitter has to be looking, right? So just For a hitter just have to look on either side of the plate for me, or any other pitcher uh, having to look up, down, in, and out uh, would really you know, make my job a lot easier if I were able to hit uh, spots like that. On the pitching side, I don't know how many people know this, uh, but your dad was a pitcher, a pro pitcher with a very short career that you've already eclipsed, but he made a couple of appearances in affiliated ball. Uh, I think it was at the rookie league level. Um, what was his influence on you growing up and was he someone who helped you develop into the pitcher you are today oh absolutely he was my pitching coach uh, for most of my life uh actually all the way up until i was in high school i think he was my pitching coach um and then he kind of passed the reins off to other to other people as i got into more serious baseball uh at that age because he didn't want to obviously step on anybody's toes and he, uh, he knew I was with people who really knew what they were doing on the t- different teams I was playing with. Um, but, yeah, I was when I was young, I always wanted to be like Dad, go up, grow up and, you know, be a pitcher, play uh, play professional baseball, you know, get to the big leagues. Uh, so he, he's been a huge influence on me uh, in my life and it still is today. All right, we like to talk baseball, but we also obviously like to get into some other things. So just a few rapid fire for you. I'm sure Nick has – he's going to want to get to the, the Patriots thing, but – so, so why I'm JP, always gone by JP, but my name is Jonathan Paul. Did, was there a point that you changed it to TJ, or have you always gone by TJ? Uh, I've always gone by TJ. Uh, my name is I'm Timothy James, uh, and I'm a junior. Uh, my dad goes by Tim, and so my parents have just always called me TJ. So, uh, unless I'm in trouble, of course, then I get the yeah, I get the the Timothy. Yeah, I understand uh, that very. I understand that well. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. for you. What's in your iPod or iPod? G- JP, what's, what's in your I'm, I'm getting dating myself. Yeah, what's in what's on what tunes are you listening to before you go out to pitch? Um, tunes am I listening to? Um, genre, genre, genre. Uh, usually a mix of between rap and metal. Honestly, I'm a might be a little bit of a surprise, but I do I do enjoy uh, metal. A little Slipknot action. Yeah, a little Slipknot, some Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, I, uh, I like Metallica a lot, too. That's a little bit of a different uh, type of metal, I would say, but yeah. Nice. And then food. If you had a go-to meal, you had a go-to meal that you wanted to go, and you just not worried about what the nutritionist says, whatever it may be, what would be your what would be your like fat kid moment? Um, I'd have to say I'd have to say I'd go with a filet mignon and some sort of a potato. Filet mignon and potato. All right, last one for me, then then Nick's going to take over the fun questions as well, is off-season. Something, obviously you're married, so you can it's, it, you have to also have those duties. But 
is there is it golf is there hunting is there something that you what's your off season like kind of that you look forward to doing uh i'd say the most thing, the thing i look forward to most of my off season uh, obviously you know spending time with my wife and just great answer great answer smart man yeah i uh, yeah thanks <laughs> what kind of dog by the way uh i have a pit lab mix he's a 65 pound baby thinks he's a lap dog but uh, he's uh, he's awesome. All right, TJ, we gotta before you go, we gotta address the Patriots thing because when I see someone who's not born in the immediate New England area and they're a big Patriots fan, <laughs> I get very suspicious. I have a friend who's from Brazil and he's a Patriots fan, and that just annoys me. So I just want to know the origin <laughs> of your Patriots fandom, uh, how legitimate it is, and then also I understand that your wife's a Steelers fan. So how? The heck you can make that yeah. household work because that's a it's a rough last sort of ten years or so of that rivalry. <laughs> um, I'm just a, I'm just a big fan of the way the Patriots kind of the Patriot way. Uh, you know the way they go about it. Uh, you know they don't put up with a lot of nonsense. They don't put up with a lot of off the field distractions. Um, you know the way I'm a huge Brady fan. Uh, you know the way you know he goes that he goes about his business. Uh, I'm. Uh, bought into the TV 12 method. I've read the book. I follow a lot of the things that he does, and uh, especially with like his shoulder care and uh, a lot of the soft tissue work that he does just to keep himself healthy and on the field. Um, and, you know, I think when you're watching the, you know, the greatest football player of all time, how can you not be a fan? It just amazes me how people can hate on him so much, but Hey, that's the kind of, I guess that's the world we live in. It's easy to hate on him if he's beaten your team in the Super Bowl. For just some reference, my team is the Seahawks, so it's pretty easy for me to dislike okay, the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> though, but I just w- yeah. wanted yeah. to know what the deal with the Anthony K thing is. Cause on Twitter, you've shouted him out with Patriots things a couple times. He's a New York guy. Is that because he is a Jets fan? Yeah, he's a big oh. Jets fan. And uh, before the football season started, he kept telling me that Brady was going to fall off a cliff this year. So I just wanted to... I'm just, you know, making sure he's still sticking to that and asking when that, uh, when that cliff date yeah. might appear. <laughs> and his quarterback's got mono, so it's a rough situation. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah. TJ, we're gonna let you, let you go there. We appreciate the insight into the baseball side and uh, and the football side, and um, wish you good luck and the yeah, death, death metal punch too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's tough. The, I really, I do part of like instinctually have a problem with people picking, liking teams because of how good they are. It's, it's cause I, you know, I grew up growing, you know, I was cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs as a kid who hadn't won the Stanley cup in decades. I was cheering for England and soccer and they hadn't won the world cup since 19 in the sixties. And then like my English Premier League team was West Ham. who have always been terrible the Raptors, even growing up, traditionally had been bad. So maybe I have a skewed worldview, but it's it just like, to me, sports fandom, part of it is, you know, suffering through the bad times for that one glimmer of glory. And I just don't see the appeal of <laughs> cheering for a team that just always wins. Yeah, but I like what he said. I like I liked the reasoning behind it. I think that sometimes, yes, it can be stupid, but I, I just like that he appreciates Tom Brady as well, and he read, and he's into the method. I kind of wanted to I wanted to kind of ask more questions about that because I've never read the book. I'd love now. I kind of makes me want to read whatever book is out there, but um, just that T twelve T T twelve. It makes me TB. 
twelve. It makes me think of like uh, Robbie Adamar yeah. when I say T twelve. But um, it, I just to see what it's about. But you know what's tough? I was gonna tell. I actually was gonna tell you what's tough is you talk to these guys, and I mean for the most part, you be they're like such good dudes. Like they do have a, they have a lot of like Anthony was great. Anthony K, Alfred, you know TJ was awesome. Like you, that's a tough part about even being in this world is was you have these conversations with these guys and I and like I want them to do so well cuz a lot of them are such good like human beings and he and he was another one of them so I I, I was going to say when you're going to say that when I thought you were going to say that at the beginning when you were getting into that it's tough to cheer for and I was thinking that you were going to say that it was because of how great like nice yeah. he was and how awesome it is sometimes you have to be like you have to have that line right for, especially for you i mean you 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 have to ride on these guys all yeah, the time yeah you so. know it's interesting it's an interesting part of this whole business like if if tj has a few like three brutal outings in a row like from here or whatever i can't just be like oh you know tj's such a nice guy i'm just gonna pretend he did well like it would be cool to li- yeah. living in that world to be interesting and i guess there's some people who are more team or player friendly and there's a whole thing to that, but it is interesting getting to know these guys a little bit. And to be fair on the Patriots thing, I'm not really ragging on the dude. He does have, he is a little bit more well-reasoned than some people on it. Like, especially if he's engaged with the TB 12, TB 12 method, uh, doesn't yeah, it, it yeah, messes yeah. me up too and it, and he has like spoken about that at some length before it's not something he's just like and it's all over his twitter like he seems to be someone who's really engaged with that so that that makes sense to me it wasn't just a like i i like wins i like super bowls like it, no he's he's good i'm not gonna begrudge him that too much but for the record he is born in ohio have per- two perfectly good and by good i mean terrible football teams in the bengals and browns that I would have liked to see him support, but you know we all have our own philosophies on sports fandom. Yeah, that's we can we don't have to we don't always have to cheer P- for your home team. I mean that's I I think you do. But P- P.S. are the yeah. would you rather today is very philosophical, so we're gonna save the ph- philosophy for later. Before we do it, uh, I just wanted to touch a little bit on the whole Vladdy weightlifting nonsense that's happened in the last couple of days and where you stand on it. Because, I mean, for people unfamiliar with the story, basically a tweet came out that he said, like, I never lift weights. And everyone was like, what? You don't lift weights? You're a pro athlete. What the hell is that? And then there was a clarification yesterday where he was saying, basically, like, when I go home to Dominican, I don't really go to the gym. I do my running. I flip tires and stuff. Like, I'm not into weightlifting as much, but I'm going to change what I do in the off season. So, first of all, what's your take on all of that? And then... Secondly, I just thought from a player's perspective, it'd be interesting to talk about what a team, like, let's say, even if we put Vladdy aside for a second, hypothetically, if a team's not happy with how a player trains in the offseason, like, what can they do or what should they do? Because it's really the player is sort of free to do what they want. And how does that interplay between player and teamwork during the offseason? Well, first off, I was going to say that this is the stupidest thing that we have to talk about in the sense of that it even he even had to address the media about this was it was dumb. It was just let's just I'm going to say how I feel about it. It was I thought it was absolutely asinine. I don't care if the dude speed walks for his ex for what he does to train for a major league season. If he does what he does and he stays healthy, I can give two, you know what, 
what he does in the offseason as long as he is performing and staying healthy. So when people are, oh, my God, professional athletes, save it. Save it. Because for everybody, some guys might have to be in the weight room, and that's the way they're, they're able to get over the hump. Some guys, like Eric Thames, they used to tell him, don't touch weights in the offseason because every time that guy touched the weight, it seemed like his muscles continued to grow, which in baseball, big muscles usually aren't favorable because it tends to injury and to tightness, which slows down your body and your, your hand speed and stuff like that. So to each is different. And again, I could care less about what Vladdy's doing as long as he is staying healthy and in, and in shape to play baseball. Now, if you're gonna, if people are gonna take that as because they want a reason to to question his weight, different story. Because that's that's what I think is the underlying issue of them him saying he's not working out. People think like, oh, is the one question about him is he gonna get too heavy? Because there always has to be a what if. And so, is what it is. I don't care. That to answer your question, I can give two craps, man. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna get to spring training, all I would tell you, if I was the Blue Jays, is I'd say, hey. Work on your flexibility and make sure you maybe stay fit-wise. Don't let yourself get heavier. Maybe lose a little bit of weight or whatever. But when you have guys lose weight, it also doesn't always translate to him being better or him being quicker. Uh, the guy is gifted. He doesn't have to touch a weight. He hits a ball 550 feet already. So what do you want him to hit? It's 620 the fence is only 400 feet away to center field. That's the furthest he has to hit it. So I, I just think that it's stupid. It's just people trying to have something to talk about in a time where there's not a ton to talk about. And then on to the final part of your question is, yeah, everybody's different, right? They have – they had – I forgot who it was. I want to say it was Prince maybe that had some certain things into his contract about staying under a certain weight or some things like that for guys. Most guys, to make it to the major league level, you have to have a work ethic that's almost second to none. Most guys. So most teams go, hey, this is what we, you know, this is what we think you can do. This is what we think you can do. But at the end of the day, he's gonna do what TJ's gonna do what it takes TJ to be ready. Anthony K is gonna do what it takes Anthony K to be ready. You know, Danny Jansen to deck to, to Reese McGuire, like these guys at this point have all trained know what they're doing, and know what they have to do, and they have to be professionals because, hey, Nick, newsflash, how do these guys make money playing baseball? So if you go in the offseason and you shit the bed and you don't do anything and you come back and you suck, you're out of a job and you ain't making any money. So these guys all go and bust their ass in the offseason to get ready. So teams really don't have to stay on top of people. They give you something. They'll give you, you know, hey, try this or hey let's let's try to come in you're at 230 this year let's try to come in at 220 they give you little things like that but other than that man that's the whole question is so stupid and guys do a good i mean look at tj he does a tb12 like he doesn't have to do that stuff but obviously these guys care to make it to the big leagues to make it to that level you have to care so that's that's i vented a little bit but that's how i feel about it the thing that I think is funny about the whole scenario is that they're talking about him, yeah, him not lifting weights. But as you say, like, he's incredibly strong. We've seen how strong he is. 
So if anyone was going to be concerned about his weight, that would be more understandable, but that's not what lifting weights is for. Like lifting weights isn't to lose weight. So it does, like the whole thing doesn't make that much sense. And then last off season, there was all these videos of him like training and flipping tires and stuff. And people were like, oh, Vladdy's sick. And it's like, does no one for everyone forgot that that happened and assumed that he did nothing? Uh, it's it, it does kind of speak to the short attention span because I do remember it was in like December, early January. There's all these videos of Vlad flipping tires and everyone was like, yeah, Vladdy's getting in great shape, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, he's a 20 year old. He probably does have more to learn about what the specifics of training can be that can help him be the best guy. He's taken a quite a bit of rest this year. He admitted he's a little bit run down and tired again because he's 20, because he hasn't been through this before, because he hasn't gone all the way through to September in the past. He has stuff to learn in this part of his game. There's no doubt about that, but I think that people took what he said, which was misconstrued, and then applied it to mean that like he didn't care. And I just don't think that that was the appropriate way to take that information, which was misconstrued in the first place. Yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was dumb. All these guys prepare, all these guys prepare at a high level, because again, if you do, if you make money doing it, of course you're going to work your butt off because this is, you want to be great at what you do and you want to be able to make a living. It's like telling Chris sale, Hey dude, you can't look like olive oil. You have to gain 20 pounds of muscle. Well, why? Let him look like olive oil on the mound from Popeye. The dude throws ninety six, and he's he's been one of the pitchers of of all time. Mate, does he? I don't. I think I look at Chris Hale, and I think that this guy just smokes heaters and doesn't do crap because he looks like he has one meal a day and he just smokes heaters the rest of the day. That's what he looks like to me because he's rail thin. But the dude punches tickets and he throws ninety seven. Who cares? Props for the olive oil reference. Very specific and of a you know certain time and place, but I like it. Uh, okay, Thank we're going to finish off with the uh, we're going to finish up with the would you rather. This one is probably I don't want to say probably. It's someone that you maybe have heard before, but I thought we've been talking about a lot of weird things. We've been talking about some gross things. This is kind of broader, more philosophical question. Would you rather have more people show up to your wedding or your funeral? Wedding. Oh, man, I don't See, know. See, it's tough. Gosh. This is a tough one. That, you know what? You know why I said that quick is because, honestly, truth be told, I'm so scared of death, and it's something that I've always, like, I'm talking about, like, legitimately, I get anxious sometimes if I think about dying. Just death freaks me out. I don't like going to funerals. I don't like... Uh, it's something that I've gotten better at, but I just, it, it does it like absolutely kind of jacks me up. So, but in that question, if a lot of people are coming to my funeral, I feel like then I've influenced, like you don't, you watch like these huge funerals and you see like cars of people and cars of people and cars of people. And that means that they truly cared. Sometimes weddings, they can just go cause they want to get booze and drink and eat and have fun. And so I would say to go against my sphere is I would, I would want to have more people at my funeral because at the end of the day, I think that I battle this now more than ever is like making sure that my purpose is fulfilled in life and like helping other people and like doing things to embedder our, like the next, the next part of this future. And so uh, I would like to hope that, you know, when I passed away, 
that there would be a lot of people like singing my praises and saying that I was able to help them with certain things or, or help move the needle forward or influence them in a way or another or impacted them. Cause I think really that's kind of what you leave is, is your legacy. And so that's, that's, I would say that uh, it's a good question actually. And I'm, and I like that this one was normal, but that's, that's kind of where I would go. See, I had a similar first instinct to you for a different reason. My first instinct was say wedding because I'll be alive to enjoy those people at my wedding and at my funeral, I'm going to be dead. So who cares? That was my first thought. However, I circle back on it, and I think I agree with you. One, because, yeah, the idea of having a lot of people at your funeral indicates that you're well-respected, you've made an impact on people's lives, you know, uh, hopefully that you've been a good person and that other people, again, feel like you've touched them somehow and you brought value to them. And as you pointed out, like, that's a huge percentage of what your life should be about. The other thing is that I've been to quite a few weddings recently. Like, I'm in the going to a bunch of weddings stage of my life right now. And I'm not sure that more is better because when you have big, big, big weddings, often the more is like the the cousins and the cousins plus ones and like the grandma's friend. And it's like it's not the people that are really adding to that experience. Like you could more is more money too by the way i've been there more equals more money yeah yeah there's yeah there's and you're not recouping that money in gifts i'll tell you that no (laughs) No one has ever done that not even freaking close not even close i just think that you could have a nice like my idea of a wedding i would have and you know this is maybe you know a little bit traditional but i've always thought like i'll probably never get to choose like whoever i would end up marrying they would have probably free reign to have what they want but if i could choose I'd have it pretty damn small because, again, I just don't have – I have a small family. I don't have need for all that stuff. Just kind of the friends, the people that matter, the people who are fun. So I'm comfortable with the idea of a small wedding. I'm not very comfortable with the idea of a small funeral because that seems like a scathing indictment on my entire life, essentially. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I take it from a person who had a very expensive me- uh, wedding that it was – listen, it was a great day. It was fun, all that baloney, but – it's not worth the freaking money. Next time I'll get married, it'll be on a beach somewhere and it'll be very small. And because it's, you take away the memories, whatever, but I, you're right. I mean, the guests and all that, it's just, uh, I'm over it. All right. That's nice. Nice. Uh, sorry, wedding industry listeners, but neither of us are on board with the wedding <laughs> industrial complex. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, we appreciate guys listening in, subscribing, leaving reviews wherever you're finding us and we hope you'll tune in next week.